You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. 1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, City of Champions. Detroit City of Champions, the podcast. I'm Jamie Flanagan. I'm Charles Amison. And we are diving into the story behind a trilogy of books, Detroit City of Champions. Yes. And is, yeah, yeah. we are, what, uh, eight, seven? I think we're eight. This is somewhere think- in there. We're deep. Do I might have to do a correction on the next show if it's if it's not seven or eight. I don't know, it's seven. Eight. It's seven. Is it? Is it really? It's All right, seven. It is. Yeah. Ninety percent. I'm ninety percent sure it's seven. Well, I have no problem doing corrections. You know that, and I actually have a correction. Do you to make? Yep. Really? And I also, but I, but before I do that, I, I want to. Uh, uh, Matt, is that camera on me, real quick? All right. Hey, with that, I just got a little. I just got a little congratulations. I want to uh, send oh, out. Oh, okay. Quick. Yep. What do you got? So it's my brother-in-law Ray. He's uh, gra- getting his bachelor's. He's graduating, hey. and um, this Sunday, and, and he's he's like getting it. So I just want to send out a message to Ray and tell tell him how much I love him. Um, my brother-in-law, my sister, and and everybody in our family. So um, congratulations, brother, and uh, real proud of you. So um, that's that's. Uh, Exciting. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. You know, it's it's like what a time to be graduating. Tough times. That's what I'm saying. Um, like it's you know proud of. That's a tough battle. You know, it's like <laughs> finishing. It can't be easy to finish this up right now. You know, with all the stuff going on. So, right. You know, we're, so, we're real proud of him. Yeah, well, congratulations to him. That's uh, that is very very cool. Yep, and so, uh, excitement. The fans go wild. Right. Well, now, For gotta, graduation, now, they're throwing the caps. Yeah. In yeah. The yeah. Air. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah vi- like a video version, I, I suppose. My sister graduated too. On she uh, she she got promoted to an officer for the for the Coast Guard. Oh. In the middle of all this, too, we had like a big Zoom thing for there was like 150 people on the Zoom chat. It was crazy. We had, we got a widescreen TV. Our whole family was there. Like, oh, nice. And there was like 150 other little little thumbnail pictures. Oh. Of yeah, so that was cool, too. So we're proud of her, too. So. Hey, love so. it. Yep, but uh, the next the next thing is the is the negative, which is the correction from the last episode. Oh, so it's yeah, something we yeah. said. <laughs> so um, so it's so like I say, you know, we we go through plow through some of the stuff, and I you know I I, I do rewatch the show to um yeah. in case I you know make a mistake every once in a while, and uh, this is a mistake that I you know I I I picked up on immediately, and it's again it's one of those mistakes to like. You know, I, I knew it. You know what right. I mean? It's not like you just, yeah. for some reason or another, you just made. So, anyways, the mistake to correct is the fact that I said that Ty Cobb left the Tigers um, last year. He, le- he left the Tigers in 1924, mm-hmm. and then he retired in 1926. Right. But, the, but in reality, he left the Tigers in 1926, and he retired in 1928. From mm. He played two years with the A's and then left after that. Right, right. So, so rather small, I guess you could say, but uh, you know, accuracy, we, we pride ourselves on accuracy. Oh, well, and, I, um, then, yeah, I mean, that, that was the yeah. whole thing because you put – Seven years of research into these three books and the other in the, the screenplay that you put together and all these stories behind it, you have so much information in your head. It just astounds me. Well, the, here's the thing: is is that the crazy thing about that particular fact is that like I knew it, and that's what I'm saying. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to like uh, you know play Monday, you know Thursday evening quarterback. Yeah, say, yeah. Oh, I knew that. I just like this. But I mean, I knew enough to like catch my own error, right? Yeah, and then, yeah, it, yeah. The other, but that's what I'm saying. Like, um, I, the reason I knew it is because 1924 actually was one of the Tigers in that whole era of like, uh, you know, dark times for the Tigers. That was actually one of their the only years that they were actually somewhat competitive. 
Um, and they actually drew a million fans that year. So, um, but that's like, besides that, that was like, you know, that they drew a million fans that year and then they was nothing for all right. these different other years. But they were, comp- they were competitive that year. And um, like I say, that's, and I've actually, you know, I've said that, told that story to people before. So that's what I mean. Like, that's why it's like, I knew that it was a mistake. You know, it's like I, I caught myself pretty quick. Yeah. Like, oh. Ah. You know, so and again, because we're now, yeah, I mean, you 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 make a, a couple cursory notes, yeah. and uh, we're just having a conversation yeah. about yeah. the amazing year, yeah. and the amazing teams, the 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 interesting people, and the, and their stories, and it, it just the information that you have stored in your brain is astounding to me. Mine mine oh, would probably that. explode. Yeah, uh, it's it's I'm I'm in awe oh, every week. That, man. With, I just like I say, it's just you know, and that's the thing is there's a lot of little moving parts and yeah. stuff like that, and you know. So, but I, but I, here's the thing is like, I have no problem admitting a mistake. You know yeah. what I mean, like, it's like you, you actually learn, I think you learn from it. Cause I, you know, I'm, that's a, that's a fact I'm not going to like, you know, mix up again. You know I'm looking I mean? forward so, to someone calling us out on something yeah, that we miss and sure. not catch. And if they do, if somebody, you know, if somebody catches it out, you know, yeah. they write in, send us a, you know, put it in the comments or whatever for yeah. the show. And, uh, you know, like I say, we'll correct it and, Heck yeah. um, update it for accuracy and all that. So, um, so yeah, moving on with our, with our show episode. Seven. There you go. I'm ninety percent sure. <laughs> yeah, so take a look. So it's it's. Like, I don't so know. That's what we were talking correction about. Correction for the episode number. We we do, but I can't believe we're seven in already. At least yeah, there's yeah. there's six in yeah. the bucket. So if you're listening, we appreciate you taking some time uh, to to live through these stories with us as Charles shares these stories with me and with you. So go ahead and and if you could be a, a ginormous favor to us is to hit a subscribe button or Absolutely, like yeah, or follow, like it, share it, all that stuff. Where, yeah. Wherever you're at, whatever yeah. the device. Is, yeah. ring the bell we had great viewership last week there Go was like to, a thousand viewers man. i know like it was great like that i mean i think we were joking at the beginning of the episode there you said something like y'all 12 people that are watching I'm like i think there's gonna be a few more than that i think there's like a thousand or something i think and i predicted it kind and of the crowd goes yeah. wild yeah like it's, i think we actually had some pretty you know, so you know everything starts small but uh before you know it, we're gonna have like freaking like a million people <laughs> or something you know we'll see but that's what we're gonna be talking about we're gonna be talking about uh how the crowd goes wild and yeah. and how this this 1934 and then 1935 year yeah. with this tiger mania tiger mania it was Absolutely. just yeah. it was just crazy yeah. these two years uh 34 up at the end just to go to the world series yeah. it had been such a yeah. such a drought and people were so into it and and now we're back into 35 the city is like hey it's not a fluke national yeah. media is going eh, they got lucky it was you know a- fluke the, the players were healthy nobody saw them coming in 34 Total fluke, and then it's then really that was like the narrative. Yeah. It was like the national media saying, "Oh, this they was totally lucky." And then thirty four, you know, that the fans were like, "We weren't lucky. We're going to do it." And Mickey, yeah. of course, leading that charge. Yeah. But then you know, in the back of their minds, their friends are like, "Please let it not be." A fluke. You know? Like <laughs> they don't know. They don't. They don't really. They don't know. They're but they're like, "Oh, it's not a fluke. We're going back." But then the you know they're like, "Man, I hope they go. I hope we go back." Yeah. <laughs> so and that's the thing, right? So what what can you tell me about the fans from nineteen thirty four and nineteen thirty five? That's what we're diving into. So the episode I, I put the title. Of the episode is uh, "Stick a Feather in Your Hat for the Tigers." Okay, stick a feather in your hat for the Tigers, and um, I made that title specifically because I wanted to tell like a quick story about yeah. something cool that we're gonna. It, you know, it's maybe a little bit out of alignment for what we want to talk about in this episode, but um, but I love it. it's just so. I think it's just like so cool. Like, yeah. so anyways, um, so you know, there's all this Tiger Mania and everything. You know, we're gonna what we're gonna get into, but but they always there's always just like back you know. Back then, just like now, you know, especially when stuff is popular, people are always making, you know, there's always like little gimmicks and knickknacks and giveaway type stuff that, you know, souvenir, you know, fan, that there are people trying to make money every which way they can. Terrible towels. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Perfect example. 
um, to like to, for the fans to do stuff. But anyway, so the Detroit News at one point, um, they issued a feather in their newspaper, and it was a yellow feather, <laughs> okay. and it's it was stamped on there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, were it's, these actual feathers? They're literally a yellow feather. Oh my god! You got to you got to know back in 1934. Yeah, these were not sourced. Yeah, <laughs> like these are. Yeah, these are. Yeah, these, yeah, right. It wasn't sourced how, naturally. Um, yeah, right, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just, there's yeah. probably there's probably an ugly story oh, underneath yeah, we that somewhere. <laughs> but, but anyways, but, but, so but. yellow stick flowers, a feather in your cap. It said right on the feather. It said, uh, yeah, it said, uh, stick, you know, stick a feather. So I, anyways, it's, um, but there's a tiger stamped on it and everything. And ah. I saw it, it was on like just one of the things I was like looking for on like eBay or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it was just like, I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, it's like a, this 1934 tiger feather. And I didn't buy it because, you know, when you're, when you're putting stuff together, you know, you're putting, you know, um, using information and stuff, you know, gathering information. Like sometimes you spend like $600 on a game program, mm. you scan the info. I was really after the information. Sure. So there was all kinds of quirky stuff that was online, um, that, that I could have bought, you know what I mean? If I had the money, you know, mm-hmm. but it, the, the feather was like 150 or $150 or something. I was like, I'm not good. So uh, I think I did, so I did a screenshot of it. Yeah. I did a screenshot of it. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this. Maybe this is like illegal. Or something. <laughs> I don't know, but I did a screenshot of it. As long as you're not reselling it. No, there's no resale. What's the, they, what's the resale? Value? Okay. So like, All no, right, no, I, yeah, no, but, um, but anyway, so he did like, I did a screenshot and then I printed it on a photo. And then uh, I think there was two a uh, two side. I, I wish I would have brought it in because anyways, what so what I did was I I did a it was I think there was a front and back picture, mm-hmm. and I did a, a screenshot of the front and back, and then I if I printed them on a four by six photos and then glued them together mm-hmm. and then cut around it and actually frilled the ends. <laughs> so and then so it like actually looks like you know so a made feather. Your own little yeah, feather. like and so that I put up on my wall, like I taped it to my wall, <laughs> I stuck it in little you know some of my mementos or whatever. So I've got it. I got a, like a reproduction of you it. Stuck you a know? feather in your cap yeah, for the tiger. Yeah. So, anyways, I just I, that's kind of why I you know wanted to name the episode that um, just because I wanted to make sure I told that story because like where else do you get to talk about um, you know a, a yellow feather? So that feather came in the, the paper. Tiger. Which one of the papers? Detroit News. The news. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Because we had the news, we had the Times, yeah. and, the, and the Free Press. And the free, all three. Yep. So the Times has kind of gone away. But back in the day, the Times was quite the was quite the player and quite As, the cheerleader of what was going on. Yeah. Uh, in the Tiger world. Yeah. Well, the news and the free the news and the Free Press were more like would cover the stories. Mm-hmm. You know, they would cover the events, whereas the Times were like act- actively like sinking money into the events so that they would have the only exclusive in town. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're the that's one good journalism. Oh well, they, they had the money. <laughs> you know, not, that's Randolph, not good journalism. Well, William Randolph, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a- but, but William Randolph Hearst owned the Detroit Times sure. as well as a syndicate of newspapers across the country. He was fabulously wealthy. Yeah. And so he, so really, he, I, I believe he didn't like say this or anything, but I, in my opinion, because the, the, the ramp up of sports coverage, especially in Detroit, it led me to think that, um, like he looked at this as an opportunity to maybe drive these other newspapers out of business. Mm. And so, because I can say that the amount of coverage of sports uh, in the Detroit Times at that, at that time was just incredible. Yeah. I mean, it was staggering. It was great marketing. Yeah. Not great journalism. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. It's amazing marketing. But hey, you know, it's uh those are the times. Yeah. And then the feathers were yeah. I'm sure sourced. Yeah, ethically. so I wanted to start so I wanted to start the show actually, really right, to right. get in the proper the, the, the mindset. Um I wanted to get in the show to to I wanted to sort of paint a picture. If we're talking about the fans, I think it's uh, I think it's essential to um to sort of paint a picture of the the, the times that they lived in. A little yeah, because nineteen thirty two, nineteen thirty three, nineteen thirty four, nineteen thirty five. This is this is the great, great this depression. is the Great Depression, yeah. the Dust Bowl, yeah. Yeah. the picture of that the 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 that migrant 
woman, you know, in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. someplace that just that uh, that kind of dirty that, with that, the kid looks like they have yeah. Like nowhere it, to it, go. That's yeah. when you think in ni- the 1930s when you, someone says the depression in the 1930s. That's the image that pops in my head. That yeah. that woman with her kids, that black and white yeah. picture, that dust bowl picture. Yeah. Um, but I want to paint another picture. That I seemed guess. like the mood of America, really. Well, I mean, ex- I mean, yeah, there, absolutely. There's you know those are the iconic images that yeah. we today you know associate with the Great Depression. There's no doubt about that. But that's what like an opportunity to really you know to maybe paint a few other. Uh, colors into this, you know what I mean, to show a little bit of a little bit more some of the cool things that were happening too at that time to get a frame of reference of like the times. So, um, so I just I basically I have a huge timeline in the um in the second book that talks about this stuff. Um, and so I so anyways I just I'm just gonna kind of ramble right down the list. This is really yeah, yeah. I'm gonna focus on 34. Okay. So um, first three Stooges short comes out in 1934. Oh yeah. First three Stooges. Yep. And then uh, you have Bonnie and Clyde are killed. John Dillinger is shot shot to death. Uh, you have Alcatraz Islands uh, founded, Ooh. or they created Al- Alcatraz Island. Um, final season of Babe Ruth with the Yankees. Final season of Red Grange. We're talking about 1934. Okay. Shirley Temple debuts. Oh. Um, you have in 1935. You have uh, Monopoly is born. Right? Oh. You have the birth. Uh, you have Radar. Uh, canned beer is introduced for the first time. Uh, the first hot meals on airplanes. Like so, you see, like there's a few other like there's some some you know some pretty big deals. 1934 canned yeah. beer. Yeah. The third inning, first canned beer on the field. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is that kind of leads me like it leads into really the main one of the one of the biggest things really um, that I, one of the biggest things was was um, the repeal of prohibition. Right. Was the, so so night so uh, so I have the day so April so April seventh, nineteen thirty three, uh, the sale of three point two percent beer is legalized by Congress. The very next day, Clydesdale horses deliver a keg of Budweiser to the White House. So that's legalized. And then Budweiser, the first thing they do is FDR just got elected president a few months before. And um, they drop off a keg of beer to the White mm-hmm. House you know, with Clydesdale horses. And then uh, May 10th, uh, beer that 3.2% beer is legalized in, in Michigan. Okay. And so, and so this December 5th, 1933, is, uh, prohibition is completely repealed. So you, so you can drink liquor then too. And uh, and then so New Year's Eve of 1934 this is sort of the summary of everything. New Year's Eve of 1934 was the first to involve the legal consumption of alcohol since uh, 1920. And so think about this, you know, think about so like to try to frame where we're at right now, you know, entering this 1934 season. So we've already talked about the arrival of Mickey Cochran right. at the end of 1933. The Tigers are heading into 1934 and like there's a little bit of excitement coming. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, because they have this, this, they've just signed like this Hall of Fame all world catcher. And then all of a sudden now, you know, beer is in le- beer and liquor are, liquor are legalized. They're Happy selling it in the stadiums. That's what I'm saying. Again. Exactly. So, exactly. so the very again. first year that beer and li- liquor is legalized, all of a sudden, you know, the Tigers are players in baseball. So they, you know, they got to really go at it with you know, beer and liquor in the, yeah. you know, for this season. I just thought that's a great, um, you know, like a you know a great way to what a way to kick off. We could probably play that. That's probably in public domain. <laughs> oh, no, that, that song is like eighty years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely in the public domain. Uh, so that's uh, so yeah. So that uh, adds to the party there in you the go. city. There you go. That's what I'm saying. It adds absolutely. I mean, it can't. It undoubtedly adds to the party. Well, Detroit was always uh, uh, Detroit was always sort of uh, on because we're so close to Canada. Yeah. Um, as as the as the the river would freeze, they would just they would drive just drive it ice, drive yeah. it over. Uh, first world land speed record. 
Henry Ford on the Detroit River. Is it really? And it's like 65 miles an really? hour or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Henry Ford set the first land speed record really? uh, on the Detroit River while it was frozen. Really? That's uh, awesome. Yeah. He had a driver, who, who, and then the driver was scared. And he was like, ah, poo, I'll do it. Oh, really? He and, drove it uh, himself? Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then great. from there, they went to Florida. Uh, on the I would have thought maybe he would have got like a some kind of a water record because he's got you know going fast on water. Yeah. I mean it's frozen, but he's on yeah, water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so the- yeah, they would bring it over. So um, we weren't really as dry as we probably should no, have been in Detroit. Yeah, I, no, I noticed I said the word legal consumption. Legal consumption. Legal yes. consumption. yes. Yeah. So like I say, that's sort of pre, you know sets the stage. I mean, this is um, you know this, this sort of sets the stage for the season. And so, anyways, it sort of sets the stage for you know one of the quotes I was you know hoping to get to. And yeah, what, um, uh, what so it really so that so the, the quote that I'm going to let me uh, break out the page and have it ready to, you know ready to go on here. Yeah, it's so it comes from the second book. Uh, let me see, page two eighty five. And because uh, I, I did a whole section in the fans um, in this in the second book. Okay, and so. I mean, they all, you talk about, you know, today it was, oh, the 12th man and, you know, it's, it's, it, it matters. That's the interesting thing. Uh, we're, we're recording here in, 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 uh, August of, of 2020, uh, and sports are, are kicking back in with no crowds and you got paper yeah. cutout crowds. Yeah, I listened and I was listening to a couple baseball Jeez. broadcasts and they were feeding in. Uh, the, the, crowd, the, crowd the noises noise, and yeah, stuff. Man. I don't know uh, about all that. Yeah. It, like, it reminds me of something Andy Kaufman said. Like, have you ever seen that? Uh, the, <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to remind me of an Andy Kaufman sketch. And I'd be like, yep. Maybe a little bit. You got, well, you got, uh, you know, with Jim Carrey, the movie, The Man, the Man in the Moon. Yeah, yeah. Where he was talking about, like, you know, like the laugh track. Like, he hated the laugh track. Yeah. Like, There's dead people's voices laughing on this. Like, he was, like, really spooked <sighs> out by it. Yeah. So I was like, I it, love kind of, it kind of is like this, a similar um, thing to me. I'm like, you know, you don't, you never, I mean, is it the, the crowd noise? Like, I understand you have to have a little bit of, you know, background, like ambient noise for a home run or something to give it a little bit of background sound, but like to make it like a cheer, like there's, they're cheering a home run. I just, it's, it, just, it's just weird, man. Yeah. Cause I've watched a little bit of baseball, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, is it disingenuous? It's, yeah. it, it's no longer, it's, it, when you take a photograph, cause today with the computer manipulation, shh. Deep fake. They're deep fake in baseball. Is what they're doing. Yeah, it's, it's a just deep. Weird, it's man. a deep fake the of a baseball game. Cutouts is just horrendous. Man. I mean, I just, you can it's just, uh, it's you so can weird. you can buy a couple of stadiums are doing it where you can pay to be a cutout. Yeah, well, that's what they really they what they should be doing. They should, yeah. I mean, that's really, so you can buy I mean, your cutout and put it in someplace. Yeah, I mean, make a couple of bucks of it, I guess. You know, but have a sort of a point to it. I mean, it's just. It's just it's just odd, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. So we have it, no fans right now. I know that, but and the other but, thing too is is that why not let some fans in? Yeah. You, I mean, the, these baseball parks seat, you know, what does Comerica seat? Almost forty thousand yeah. fans. Yeah. They're not even going to get fifteen thousand a game anyway. <laughs> so I mean, what the what are they? You know, like you bring them in, they have them seat set three, four seats apart from each other. You know, like yeah. each group has to be a maintain a six foot social distance. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Like fill up the fill use the park. I don't. I just don't. I just. I don't yeah. Know. Like, I, but it's 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 a it's a deep fake of reality. I mean, we're living through yeah, a, a deep odd. fake of, of reality. But this was the real deal back in '34. Yeah, the fans were just excited. And you you said you had a quote there yeah, that yeah, you wanted yeah. to kick so, things off with. Yeah, yeah. So I just like this one. This is, this comes sort of at the tail end of um of 1934. There's like I say, I have a ton of quotes in here. It was really it's actually tough to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love these kind of quotes because it, you know, it takes you back uh, in time. You know, these, this guy was actually there, you know, looking at this stuff and, 
Um, and so anyway, so the, so the quote date is, he, the quote is um, from uh, September 17th, 1934. And at that moment, um, the Tigers, the Tigers were, uh, the Tigers, they, they ended up, the, the, spoiler alert, the Tigers won the game. And the, but at the, at, the, at the conclusion of the game, they were six and a half games up on the Yankees, you know, basically heading towards their, their 1934 pennant. And so, um, where's that right here? Uh, um, so anyways, they, uh, yeah, so they would clinch the pennant one week later. And so this was like, you know, headed towards the last sort of pennant. So this right. is like, you know, big game. They're playing against the Yankees, of course, too. So, it's, so, you know, the Yankees could potentially get back in. It's a big game. Damn Yankees. Packed house, yeah. And so General Crowder would end up uh, beating uh, uh, Lefty Gomez 3 to nothing in this game. And so, like I say, sp- spoiler alert, because of this, you know, the game results are not necessarily as important as mm-hmm. you know, the, the actual – um, you know the the scene, you the know the vibe, setting, yeah. the scenes are what's happening at the game, which I think that's what this, the purpose of this quote is. So, um, it's written by Bob Murphy, one of my favorite writers. And over the course of all these books, Bob Murphy was just an absolute cut up man. He was so funny, just an absolutely uh, just a great writer from the Detroit Times. I, I was able to one of the great things about all these books I was so happy about because I did a section on the um the media in 1935 too, like who all the sports media, national and local. And one of the one I was so happy I found a picture of Bob Murphy. Oh, nice! It, and that's why I actually sent the book like incredibly rare photo of Bob Murphy because it's one of those like when I found this photo I was like, oh my god, it's really grainy. I had to spend so much time trying to restore it, um, but I was so happy to find this picture of Bob Murphy. So, anyways, because um, I had so much respect for him, he doesn't. Mm. Nobody knows who he is nowadays, right. and, but he was just such a major like city of champions writer. Okay. So, anyways, this comes from him, and uh, so again, September seventeenth, nineteen thirty four. So, uh, so the title of the article is called Wild-Eyed Mob Cheers Tigers to Victory. So all thoroughfares and street arteries leading to Naven Field, scene of today's Tiger-Yankee battle, were choked with traffic hours before the scheduled start of the game. Streams of shoving, pushing humanity were crowding through the gates at 1 o'clock, and hundreds of persons milled, milled about outside ticket windows disappointed because the SRO sign was out. There was a zip and a twang to the breeze that swept through the big stadium, making, m- making top coats comfortable. It was probably the best-natured crowd of the year that stormed the turnstiles. There was shouting and, and hurrahing from every corner. Beer vendors, despite the chilly breeze, were being given a nice workout. Centerfield bleachers were practically filled at 1.30, and hundreds were, hundreds were ganging into the unreserved uh, grandstand seats from all entrances. The Tigers appeared on the field shortly after 1.30 o'clock and were given a noisy welcome. Flea Clifton, who scored the winning run in Sunday's game with Washington, went out to the pitcher's box to serve up offerings for batting practice. The big crowd let out a roar as some, as, as some lad in the right field bleachers made a headlong dive for a schoolboy row hit over the screen. He fell down three rows of seats but came up smiling with the ball. The Yankees, fil- the Yankees filed out at 145 and received a resounding chorus of cheers. Just to make them feel at home, one group organized to give the Bronx cheer. The once mighty George Herman Ruth was one of the last to, to totter from the dugout to the field. The great crowd arose and roared an ovation that must have done the soul of the aging and ailing Bambino good. The right field bleachers were overflowing before 2 o'clock. Few unreserved seats were vacant. The newsreel cameraman beckoned Ruth from the dugout, and he passed. And he po- I'm sorry, posed with schoolboy roll for five or six minutes. When it was all over, the great man from Gotham affectionately patted the schoolboy on the shoulder. And so the next little header, fight for balls. By 2.15 o'clock, the crowds were, were lined behind a wire in center field. Then the fun started as the Yankees took their batting practice. 
Men, women, and children dove, pushed, shoved, and fought for all balls hit in their direction. It was one stampede after another, with the crowd applauding and cheering. The spectators made no bones about taking the balls away from the helpless fielder. A goodly sum of dough went overboard in the item of lost balls. The center field overflow crowd was fast-reaching near riot proportions. An outfielder took his life in his hands if he attempted to catch one of the balls hit in the batting practice. Boys will be boys, you know, and that goes for girls, too. The four umpires assigned to handle the game were George Moriarty, Bill McAllen, Bill, M- Bill Deneen, and Red Ormsby. They, s- they scratched their, their noggins and looked puzzled as they watched the actions of the rampant crowd. Packed to the rafters. That's the header for the next little thing here. A group of uniform music makers came into the second deck shortly past 2.30 and started blaring away. This caught the fancy of the big crowd more than ever. They swayed and cheered and were making much hey-hey as the Tigers romped out from the in- infield practice. Order was restored in the center field precincts when some 20 or 30 policemen lined themselves in front of the crowd. The crowd liked this too. This crowd today likes anything. It can take its fun where it finds it. Mr. Navin's big concrete house was literally packed to the rafters. Even the box seats were three-fourths filled 20 minutes before game time. The Tigers snapped through their infield workout as the milling humanity continued to pour through the gates and into the field. Before 5 and 6... I'm sorry, before five and 6,000 were lined around the field and perched on the fence in center field. The press box was jammed with scribes from most of the country's leading newspapers. All seemed eager to concede the Tigers as good as in. El Gufo Gomez, i.e. Lefty Gomez, the gang's great pitcher, posed with schoolboy row. Crowder then came out and started warming up for the Tigers. Gomez un- unlimbered his left wing for the Yankees. Mounted policemen rode into center field to render succor and aid to their, to the, their fellow bluecoats who were attempting to hold back the overflow crowd. The umpires assembled at home plate with manager Joe McCarthy of the Yankees and Mickey Cochran of the Tigers. Grounds rules were discussed, cussed, and whatnot. The crowd by this time was restless, ready for the colorful battle to begin. The jabbering changed into a a rumble sound and then into a deafening roar as the Tigers rushed to their position. The game was on. Oh, nice. Man, I mean, that's I just the, like, the 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 vintage language, yeah. He you takes know. you there. The the the, yeah. the the gentleman from Gotham. What did he call? Yeah, him? The, yeah. The gentleman. I closed the book. You should ask me that question. I had a book off. It. A, I love that. Yeah, the, and yeah, then he the, called the, him. I'll look it up. He the, called the, him the, the uh, giant. The, the giant from Gotham. The, I think yeah, and it was uh, the scribes. He he uh, two eighty five. I think. Yeah. I think and then. The the scribes you called the reporter the scribes yeah, from scribes, across yeah. uh, that's what I'm saying. I like just it was, uh, it was almost poetry you know what I mean like because yeah. the newspapers were the primary vehicle of information sure. at that time yeah. so like the writers were like elite man you had yeah. to be elite of the elite to be a newspaper writer back then yeah. so but, what did they call him they said uh, they called Babe the uh, from Gotham the yeah it was, uh, um, I, I just love that I'm like I'm getting all Batman with Babe with uh, the, the old great Babe man Ruther. from Gotham was great, that the, was that the point one yeah. Yeah, great man from Gotham. Yep. Yeah, it said, uh, but it was, you know, you've got, you know, yeah, Ruth comes out, tips his cap. You know, it was the last year for Babe Ruth. That's what I mentioned in that, uh, so in that big, in that beginning. But uh, yeah, it was last year, Ruth's last year. And, yeah. You know, and, and he, and he, um, was he playing a lot that year? Yeah, he played significant. You know, okay. he, I mean, he was, he was always good, even in his last couple of, I mean, even his last year, even yeah. his, even his, his final year, he finished, with, uh, finished in Boston, not the Red Sox, but the National League team. I think it was the Braves back at that point. Yeah. But um, yeah, but you know, he was you know, he even had he had a good year in 1934 too. He's just he just like I mean, he's been he's been playing for years. I mean, he goes back to the Ty Cobb, you know, the end of the you know, I mean, Ty Cobb, he goes back to the Ty Cobb era, but he right. wasn't in the same like Cobb was younger than him. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, but he'd been you know he'd been playing for for forever, so it was really his, his last hurrah. And so when Babe comes out, tips his cap. I mean, it doesn't matter where he's yeah, at. The yeah, yeah. The Tiger Nation loves him. Right. He did some of the biggest moonshots ever seen at old <laughs> Tiger Stadium, Navy yeah. Field. Yeah. So the Naven Field, 
Um, so that was Michigan and Trumbull. They yeah. weren't, they weren't called that prior at, to Tiger Stadium that yeah. time. So Navin Field, that was the same spot. It became Briggs Stadium and then Tiger Stadium. Yep. So it was the same spot. And and lots of the look of the stadium, uh, it didn't change a whole ton. Mm. I mean, they added to it, but the core of it was yeah well, was. Yeah. Replicated they just added on, yeah, yeah. They just added on, and to me improved, and, and they, but they but the look on. of it stayed stayed the exactly. same, it was and the same footprint, and they yeah. just added, they extended onto it, yeah, yeah. And to me, I mean, it's um, to me, like the way, like the evolution of Navin Field to Briggs Stadium and then Tiger Stadium, that to me, like, because I'm, I've got this whole other, you know, we've already said it, this whole other baseball project when I'm where I'm starting, and I I hesitate to you know go too far into it. We, you know, Totally off track, <laughs> but um, but the idea that one of the things that I question is is this current and you know current baseball current um the way that the world works today for pro baseball is it's be it's like become this necessary thing for a city to have a um you know like half a billion whatever it is you know ridiculous ballpark this incredibly expensive ballpark I mean it's like if you don't like even even like trying to get an independent baseball team or even a minor league team mm-hmm. the first question anybody ever asks is like where are you going to get the money to build a hundred million dollar stadium right They're like no I just want to start a team I want to start a professional team they're like yeah well you need a hundred million dollar stadium you know like no. and you're like no, what are you talking about that's what I'm saying like back then like that was you know the evolution of uh Navin Field to, you know to you know to um you know to Briggs to Tiger Stadium as you point out there, you know, it was, it was the same footprint. They just added on, you know, added on to it over mm-hmm. the years and they built it according to like the needs of the fans, like what was coming out. And I just think that, you know, in this modern, in the current world, it's like you got to start massive and Matt, you know, you got to start with the biggest ballpark with like 30,000 seats or whatever. And it's to me, that seems kind of crazy because it's like, um, you know, you don't even know really some, especially these minor league teams, you don't even know like how many fans you're going to be able to see, you know, like are going to even show up to your games. Right. Like why not build a smaller park, a nice park, and then evolve it at, you know, with the, you know, reinvest the profits and evolve it gradually, you know, to the, so anyways, yeah, it's, um, and I think the answer really to that question is, you know, if there is a question about, you know, why they do it, it's just because, you know, it's almost like they sell the ballpark now more than the the product on the field. Mm. But again, we can start drifting off into it. So uh, that's that's yeah. and, and I'm that. But that's kind of how they did fan. it. Was they evolved it? They yeah. evolved it. Yeah, yeah. I, I find that yeah. I they find evolved that, it from uh, yeah. And, and Navin, as we mentioned in an earlier episode, of Navin is that his entire you know he you know he like unlike a lot of these other owners, his his uh, you know income was dependent on the Tigers. Yeah. So whereas a lot of these other owners were like wealthy industrialists that just did baseball for fun. Like he, you know, his ability to turn a profit on the Tigers and reinvest the money into the ballpark and such like this was like, that's what he did. That was his primary thing. He wasn't like a wealthy magnate for the, you know, chewing gum fortune that came into this, you know, so, so that's what I mean. So he reinvested his profits wisely, evolved the stadium over the years in the 35 season, in 34 and 35 season, all the revenue they brought in from the season and from the world series is what allowed them to expand it into what became Briggs stadium. That was the next evolution of it. They reinvested the money wisely. So yeah. there was uh where was I going? I, I had something I was gonna say to you. I distracted about the no the the, the 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 imagery in that, that article that you read um about the police coming onto the field with their horses. Yeah. Uh, and, they had to be and, reinforced. And Did you catch the point where they had yeah. to be reinforced? Then, like they already had twenty or thirty cops, and there was already a near riot. They had to like we need reinforcements for but the they, they were, section. They yeah. had like standing room only 
on yeah. the field. So people were on the field. On the field, roped off. Yeah. They yeah. just drag a rope in front of them and say, don't cross this rope. <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine yeah. today people following rules yeah, the way they follow? Yeah, but think how cool rules. that would be. You know? Oh, no, like, it's amazing. That be great? Isn't that that's awesome? Amazing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. Baseball today, again, we're drifting a little bit into my yeah. we, we, You know I'm just going to stop apologizing for it because no, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know? But it, baseball today is too sanitized. Yes. It's sanitized. Well, you and you like, can never besides do Besides just today. the corona thing, I'm not trying to say yeah, because yeah. of this, of course. No, no, no. I'm talking about but every other component, like the, that, you know, that, um, you know, that, like this, like a roped off field. People are like, oh, God, they're roped off the field to have fans. Well, in it. That's I, cool, man. In, the, in like the last two years, it's like more and more and more netting yeah, up around. Yeah, that's And it's sanitized. all, it's all, it's all uh, because of, you know, I mean, because, I mean, they hit harder than ever. And the balls That's are moving not, faster. Are they not? I don't no, know. I mean, the ball hits off a bat. I mean, maybe a, I mean, if a, if a 90, I guess maybe you throw a few miles but an hour fastball. I, again, faster. it's, 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 it's because people, I mean, a lot of it's because people are on their cell phones, not paying attention. <laughs> and <laughs> the ball gets hit off, ricocheted off a bat and hits them in the face. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. the reason. That's yeah. one of the reasons why it's get off your phone. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, when you're in the stands, you need to feel someone. I'm not no. trying to make anybody, yeah. feel, I having to be politically correct and go, Oh, you know, you know, defend a position or about this. But I'm just saying like, Baseball has existed for a hundred years. Right. All right. Netting behind home plate for has been there. But the home but the netting, you know, like what's changed right. in the la- you know, in the last 10, 15 years that necessitates putting netting all along the entire field to protect every fan in the stadium. Attor- what's changed? Attorneys. There yeah, but there's been attorneys forever yeah. too, you yeah. know. Uh, but that's some TV saying, like, attorneys. It, yeah, I mean it's and I'm not just saying yeah. it's all cell phone stuff, but I mean, but it's an example yeah, yeah. of what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Whatever the reason, I'm no, not trying to even just, say that they should take it down, but I'm saying that's another example and another example. We could sit here if we want to spend all show talking about it. That's just you know this is it. like that's what I'm talking about though. There's the, so many different sanitizing elements yeah. of the game. Well, you could you, you, with, with the, the nets going up around the sides now. You never imagine people just on the field with a rope saying don't step across yeah. this. It's like it's such a it's such a different world. Yeah, and I've it, actually got photos photos in the second book that shows a policeman on horseback on the field with the fans behind <laughs> him. It's a fantastic photo. He's like I love he's it. like you know, all proud, like, you know, like, guy looks like a total, you know, like a real police, you know, the guy's, you know, looks like a 1930s policeman, man. He's like rugged, you know, so, and he's on a horseback. The horse is looking tough, too. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I can imagine that, 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 that there was a handful of games from when they clinched it to, to the World Series. I'm yeah. sure that was just, those games were all just Tiger Mania. Oh, yeah, but, you know, what yeah, else was going on yeah, there at 34? So, um, yeah, so it really, so the next sort of component I wanted to talk about was, um, you know, with in relations to the fans, um, is is not just like what it was like to be there or whatever, but um, the impact of this season, like sort of on the fans of Michigan and, and Detroit. Okay, because the impacts of this season are profound. There right. are so many different elements that are important, and this is a rare, rare opportunity to talk about um, something that's like sort of just gets overlooked, you know, or never really discussed. Mm-hmm. Which is the is this season is what made Michigan. A Tiger Nation, right? Before 1934, 1935, um, the Tigers were a Detroit team, right? If the, the people that went and watched the Tigers were Detroiters. And I'm not, that's not to, again, that's not to say that there wasn't fans from all over the, you know, everyone, you know, coming from other areas of the state to watch the Tigers. I'm sure there were, but to bring the entire state in, right. to make the entire state basically like a universal Tiger Nation, that is what happened. That's why this season was so key. And one of the main triggers of that having happened was um, WXYZ radio station. Okay. So 1934, this is so this is it's the Michigan Radio Network. This is the um, 
This is the uh, uh, this, so 1934. They they bring in Harry Heilman. Okay, Harry Heilman's. A, there's two major names like in the world of early Tiger broadcasting. Ty Ty. You can't even mention Harry Heilman without be, you know beginning sort of the story with Ty Tyson, who is the who was the WJ WWJ radio announcer, basically the local Detroit um uh, uh broadcaster you know the announcer and he'd been with and he'd been with the tigers and really in doing detroit sports elements since um since 1923 and so he's like one of the things that he broadcast the, the first uni- uh, university of michigan u of m football games oh. and when he wanted to broadcast one of those u of m games the um uh uh the, the u of m coach and coach and jim what's his fa- famous uh, famous guy he, uh he anyways he, um, I'm probably going to get a comment saying, what's his, you know, comment below and see yeah, yeah. who, what's, what's the Michigan coach at that moment. Anyways, 1923. So anyways, um, he, uh, he, he wanted to, to broadcast a University of Michigan game. And then that coach was like, no, cause it's going to make people want to buy less tickets to come to the games because they can get it for free over the radio. What year? Uh, 1923. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I believe it was 23 when this okay. actually happens, but, but so anyway, so he, so they still let him do it. They let him, so they let Ty Tyson broadcast the University of Michigan game. And then, um, and then like the next week, it was like a sellout crowd. Like they'd had not, like they, I'm not sure what their attendance was, but there was a noticeable major difference when them broadcast the game, when they broadcast the game on the radio. Um, it made people want to come to games. And so that was like, you know, you're talking about the infancy of, of, you know, broadcasting over the airwaves. And so that's why they're like, oh my God, like it actually had the opposite effect. It made more people come to the games. Um, Yost feeling, feeling Yost. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That was his 23rd season. Yeah. He was a super, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm almost embarrassed for for forgetting that name. I mean, oh my God. But, um, anyways, uh, so anyways, so that was, so that, you know, this leads to this, you know, this idea that like radio actually has an impact on bringing attendance in this. Yeah. And, the, and the idea is, is that what you're doing is you're engaging the fans in the story of your product, right? You're engaging uh-huh. the fans in the story of this team. And so it may, you know, and especially when they're hearing on the radio to like what's their appetite, they're like, oh man, I can hear the crowd going wild. I wish I could see this in person. You know, they, it makes them want to come to the game more. And so the similar effect was on, um, was on Frank Navin for the Tigers when the Navin, the same guy, Ty Tyson's like talking to him about let's broadcast the Tiger games too. And, uh, Navin, you know, initially they're like, well, you're going to lose money on attendance. And they were saying the same thing. Like, no, it builds a fan base. It really does. And, and Navin actually, really Navin letting him broadcast, even in the thirties, um, they were, he was, you know, people were telling him, Hey, Frank, you're going to lose attendance. And he was like, he didn't even really care about the fact that it was going to add attendance. That's not even why he did it. He did it. He let them broadcast because like he, I mean, literally like he was like, well, the, our fans can't afford to come to the games anyways. Like it's better. You know, when they can afford to come and pay money, they will, you know, but we want to keep them engaged with what we're doing. So, you know, Frank kind of knew that already. Frank was a Frank was a highly intelligent baseball owner. He was that's what I'm saying. Like of all the of all the pantheon of legends in Detroit sports history, Frank Navin, it just seems like he like all a lot of times whenever whenever he's mentioned in any book, it's always he was this kind of nerdy bookish owner. Who like was never gave Ty Cobb the amount of money he deserved, you know, like that. That's always kind of how he's up the picture he's painted right, of him. Right. But he was a highly intelligent owner, one of the most well respected, one of the most well respected like owners in the entire game of baseball. He was huge. He so, built the Tigers. Yeah. So vintage Detroit is telling us the jump from thirty three to thirty four. There was like three hundred and twenty thousand attendance around. Uh, in 33, and then in 34, Explodes, uh, about yeah. 920,000. Yeah, and then in 35 uh, like is over a million. Tripled it, and 35 is over a million. Yeah, yeah. yeah it explodes. So. so anyways, 
So the um, so the radio is like I say the two name big names. So the, Ty Tyson was already an established presence in Detroit. He broadcast over WWJ over the over the to the city to the city's fans. Mm-hmm. But then it was all but a WXYZ comes on the scene and they set up a, a, a the Michigan radio network and that come in and, and, and Harry Heilman who was a Hall of Fame Detroit Tiger outfielder. Um, I think it was four batting titles that he won. Just a tremendous hitter. Just a, you know he was already a fans already loved him. Um, Harry Heilman becomes the, uh, the, the main broadcaster, the main, um, play by play man for, um, and really the, the one man show for the W, for WXYZ. And so that is the voice that the rest of Michigan hears. Okay. Like, so Detroit hears Ty Tyson and then Harry Heilman is heard across the state beginning in 1934. Okay. And so that's what I'm saying. So like, um, so that's, so Harry Heilman and so like, you know, a generation of uh, of um, of of Michigan, you know, of the Detroit Tiger fans that are from around Michigan, like Harry Heilman was their guy. He was there till 1950. So I mean, this is like their guy, you know. And um, like for me, growing up as a Tiger fan, George Kell was my guy. Sure, yeah. George yeah, Kell yeah. was the was the announcer. Um, um, you know, for for, for he, George Kell was the voice of the Tigers for me. I used to watch it on TV all the time. Um, out in Kalamazoo when I, lived, when I was living in Kalamazoo, so. You know, um, George Cal was my, you know, a lot of times people say Ernie Harwell. That's mm-hmm. a, I didn't listen to him as much on the radio. I was always watching on TV. So George Cal was my guy. You know, that was like the, you know, per, the voice for me. But he, but for my George Cal, that, you know, that's what Harry Heilman was to people from 1934 to 1950. And that was the, so 1934, so take it like this. Is it a coincidence? That, uh, you know, 19, as we, you, you say there are 913,000 fans in 34, 35, there's a million. If you keep going down the list of, of attendance yeah. for the Tigers from 1935 on, take a look at the attendance from that. It's a million fans every single year from that point all the way till now. Yep. It never changed. Like that's what I'm saying. It's like eight hundred thousand and thirty-six, yeah. a million yeah. and thirty-seven. That's what I'm saying. It never. It, it, it they average a million fans every every other yep. year after that. Maybe World War II it dipped a little bit, but they still had good fans in World War II. Yeah. But but I'm saying like the rest of time it was just thir- a million, a million, a million, a million, like yep. clockwork. It you is. know what I mean? Is it a coincidence? Is it just a, the biggest coincidence in the world? Forty-six. Yeah, that you go from three hundred thousand, like you mentioned, in thirty-three. And then look at the years before that. It was like 300,000, 350. Almost 200,000. Yeah. A like, 1,700,000. Yeah. Every single year after 34 and 35, yeah. it's a million, a million, a million. You know, clockwork going all the yeah. way up to like three, four million. That's like three million that we get today. Dude. That's what I'm saying. It's like clockwork. Is it a coincidence that this season, you know, this, they're like, imagine you're somebody that lives in, you know, anywhere, Ludington or, you know, Kalamazoo or anything like this. And, and you, you know, you, your first, Tiger experience. You're listening. You know, baseball is already the biggest sport you know in the country. Yeah. And your first baseball experience, listening on the radio, is the 1934 and 35 Tiger seasons. How much of a fan would you become? Oh yeah, yeah. You're you're hooked for life. You're, an entire generation of fans grew up. Their very first experience of listening to the Tigers. Was the, the the 1934 and 35 seasons the city of Champion season? It's worth mentioning too, real quick while we're talking about yeah. it. Is WWJ in 1934 when the when the Lions came to town? They broadcast. They connected on a on a nationwide syndicate radio channel, and they broadcast the first Thanksgiving game oh. against the Chicago Bears. First Thanksgiving in 1934 on this <clears throat> radio network. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So now, so now you're getting connected. All the fans in Michigan are hooking up with the Lions too. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like you see, but you, so again, you know, you see this impact. Like the radio was a big deal in '34 and '35. And I say it's not just a coincidence that 
you know, you know, one year they're like, you know, again, they're like, it's like a like Domino's, three hundred thousand fans, four hundred thousand fans, whatever. In thirty four and thirty five, a million, a million, a million every single year thereafter. Yeah, you know? and that's what I'm saying. So this is so this this is the um the you know so this is the impact that that radio had, and this is that you know the fans. It's not just Detroit fans now. It's fans from across Michigan are coming to the Tigers. They're hearing about it on the radio. They're following the story on the radio, and it becomes like the Tigers become like their mecca. You know, yeah. like their thing did. Oh my God, I'm going to Detroit for this. We're going to watch the Tiger game. You know, and that's how I was growing up when I was in Kalamazoo. Um, whenever, when, you know, when there was, um, a tiger game, you know, man, going to a tiger game was a huge deal. Oh, yeah. You know, we, I, we, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. We traveled across the state back then. Um, like this is one of my friends, Kevin Bush says, like the second time I quoted the same quote, like back when the tigers were terrible, it was easy to find seats. Yeah. And we, you know, we'd get like a little Caesars, uh, crazy bread was like buy one ticket, get one free. And we'd make the trek from Kalamazoo and get, um, you know, it would be a. Uh, we'd get. Um, it was it, the tickets were two dollars or yeah. something for yeah, the yeah, police. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And then we'd get a buy one get one. So it was yeah. like a dollar each coming from Kalamazoo to get a tiger ticket. Yeah. You know, and so but it was fun. Like it was great. You know, but I, but it was like our mecca. Like it was uh, that big of a deal. And so I, that's how it became. You know? I grew up in the city, and and I remember you know. It, the field trips in in grade school, going to a Tiger game, getting on the bus and going down to a Tiger game. Yeah, uh, you're lucky, man. I would I would have so, loved to have some stuff yeah, like that. Be able to go uh, yeah. be that close. Growing up as a Tiger fan, man. Yeah, man, it was um, it, 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 like you know, I used to just watch it on TV every day and collect the baseball cards. And it was like the rare time we'd get out to Detroit to watch a game was yeah. huge. It was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And so I've experienced that side of it from being like or from Michigan, right, right. You know, listening, you know, watching every day George Cal's voice, that you know Travis Fryman, Cecil Fielder, some of these legends that a lot of people don't even remember these days but just um, just a perfect storm here in 34 just building that's what things. i mean this and this is the first year that everybody's exposed to it so i do have a quote that i want to read and yeah. it's not from my book this is okay. a this is a um there's a and this is a, actually a you know i'm not the only person that's written about the city of champions thing i was the first i was the first these books are the first ones to come out talking about the city of champions mm-hmm. story that's a fact no other books out there mention city of champions story or champions day especially yeah that that discovery is mine and so, like, seriously, I'm the only, I'm the first one to mention Champions Day, you know, for, that there was. So let's just make that clear real quick. Sure. But, um, but there's been others that have written since that I came out. And a good one, you know, there's a book called uh, Detroit the Unconquerable. It's a, it's a, a book done by, there's a Saber with Saber. You know, Saber is a, um, you know, it's well known as like the analytics group. Okay. Um, but uh, you know they're but they're you know they do tremendous. I've got my own critiques about this this the the uh, the the, the uh, analytics behind it. But but their history is is generally very well done. And so um, this particular there's a book um, that was like basically like a saber project called the Detroit the Unconquerable. And there's a uh, there's a writer um, in the book who uh, his name is Matt Bone. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. His last name is spelled B O H N. In the article, it's this online article, and the article is titled "Good Afternoon, Boys and Girls: The 1935 Tigers on the Radio." That's the you know like my little you know introduction to the um to this to this article, and mm-hmm. you can, so you can find it online. But this is a, a great little uh, quote that talks about how big. I really think it's a, like this is not in my books, and um, I just think that they, he did a fantastic job of of finding a quote from somebody at this moment that uh, shows just how how big of a deal um the Tigers were, and how just like how cool it was. So, um, anyways, um, so this, the quote that he uses comes from a guy, uh, from the New London, Connecticut day named John DeGange, who wrote in September 1934, which is approximately when the, the quote earlier that I read came out. Um, so anyways, uh, so it says, so this is the, um, this is the quote. So on a typical day, 
It was possible to walk the streets of Detroit and never miss a word of the play-by-play emanating from radios in shops and homes. So, so this is John DeGaines. So this he's kind of introducing John DeGaines of the New, Lo- New London, Connecticut Day, wrote about his experience driving through Detroit in September 1934. So he's just driving through Detroit and he's telling you what it was like. Okay, and he, again, he he introduced he's, he introduced it by saying on a typical day it was possible to walk through the streets of Detroit and never miss a word of the play by play. So that you, you so you don't even have to have streaming your radio out on. every window. There's so, yeah. there's so many radios going yeah. on, you can hear it. So this is his this is his actual words. Even before I reached Dearborn, the radio broadcast of pregame activity had begun. From there, at every gas station and wayside shop, a continuous radio broadcast of the game could be heard from an automobile traveling along the road at a normal cruising speed. As soon as the car passed beyond hearing distance of one radio set, another loudspeaker could be heard just ahead. It went that way almost without interruption from Dearborn through Detroit. Even the customs officials at the tunnel, which takes you from Michigan into Canada, had a radio set turned on to the game. The following summer, as the Tigers neared their second straight pennant, the Associated Press reported that throughout Michigan, radios blare out accounts of the game from almost every storefront. Merchandise is only barely visible through shop windows covered by the score by innings. Fans gather at their radio spots every afternoon, whether the Tigers are at home or not. In cities throughout the state, excitement is at, a, is at fever heat. Accounts of the games are announced through amplifying systems to crowds, which in several cities have reached 3,000. Like you, you, like you get the picture. Like this is, I mean, you can go, um, you know, anywhere. Yeah, so you can go anywhere, you know. Um, and, and like the fact that you could walk through a street and hear the game. Yeah. And he says you can continuously mm. hear that. You don't. You're not going to miss a single play in the play by play. They the talk whole, about that. The street. For me, growing up, um, it was CKLW. Um, and the Big Eight, okay, uh, in Detroit, and uh, the Big Eight. What is that? I'm, I'm sorry, Jamie. I, you, C- I'm not sure what that is. I like CKLW. Um, it's music. It was a music. It was a Canadian music station. Okay. Uh, right. It was the AM800 CKLW, um, and it changed music. It changed. Hmm. It changed everything. Uh, and and the, you hear people telling stories of the same thing about it, you didn't have to have a radio to yeah. listen to CKLW oh, really? okay. because it would be streaming out of windows, it would be coming out of cars, huh. just everybody would listen to uh, CKLW. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean they're responsible for everything, good or bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the people that, that were programming CKLW uh, went on to, to create MTV uh, program the early years of MTV. Oh, all right. And, I mean, it, yeah, it's, I can see, it's, yeah. they've gone everywhere. The signal was just so massive and it just bounced everywhere. I mean, it covered the Midwest entirely and, and a ton more. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just impactful. And so just as you were talking about that, yeah. I remember well, – that article does a good job, too, talking about like the different radios, brilliant. where they were set up, like the different broadcasts. Yeah. So it's really worth – you know, if you catch the, the, title of the article, it's really – the entire article is really well done. So the so, city yeah. got really fired up, and there and people were like, "Hey, we should probably bring another team in here and cash in on there this." There you go, Lions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so you know, this, this is you know that just sort of you know it brings you know with the city in this crazy excitement, the NFL sees an opportunity. There's this fantastic team in Portsmouth, Ohio. Is this are we leading up now to the 34 Lions? I think so. I think we're gonna think. Let's we're gonna jump we, into there the is Lions. another show we can do between, but we, we can teased. also save that. All right, we'll know. get to we'll get to the Lions. The Lions we'll are coming. All. There's just like there's man, it's tough to pick all which right. one we want to do next. Like I, I mean, know. We we have a list of like a hundred episodes at least. Yeah. 
I mean, there's so many potential episodes. We just we just added uh, two more potential episodes just yeah. the other day. Like, we'll talk about some, but the the lions are coming. That, that it was exciting. We will talk about the lions. Yeah, but soon. I mean, we can just set it up yeah. just in case. I mean, the, you know, tee it up. I mean, the idea is that it's this coming. is this is the environment that I mean, we, we could tee up the movie too. Like, there's a baseball movie that was filmed in this moment. You know, so the background. Yeah, me too. Like, so I want to I want to do a screening of that movie. I would like to. I would with, love to. You know, once we get rolling yeah. here, it's and, an amazing. And let some movie. people know about this. Yeah, I want to I want to share that with people. No, there's. This is just a, a for the viewers that are watching this now or listening to it. There's this is what's so incredible. We'll tee this one up too. Might as well. Like, yeah. I mean, in 1934, MLB they were wanted to do a movie to show what baseball was. So they could broadcast across the country and right. spread the, the the concept of baseball to cut you know to maybe to the corners of the country that hadn't you know hadn't experienced it. And they used Detroit as a backdrop to okay. film the first MLB movie with sound. It's in, in, in like we fi- like I found it when I was doing all this research. I got the art of the original articles that talk about them making the movie. George Moriarty, uh, one of the just a total legend, was the guy that directed it and f- filmed it. Um, he was a former player for the Tigers. He was a I mentioned him in the in the quote we just did now. George mm-hmm. Moriarty. Um, it was an umpire in '34 and '35, and so it like it's just an incredible film. It's one of my favorite baseball movies. I think it's literally. And I'm not, I know it's I'm partial to it because it's like I found this movie and I'm yeah. trying to talk about it now. But I'm telling you. When we film this, when we screen this movie, yeah. I I dare anyone, I dare anyone to tell me that it's that's not one of the best baseball movies they've ever seen. I'm gonna I we'll bring we'll, we'll bring in some players. Yeah. I'm gonna drag in some players, and we're that's gonna we're saying, gonna like, do when this. We film this like you know like everybody's like when talk, people it. talk about the best baseball movies like The Natural and um. Um, you know, major league, you know, all this. There's a bunch of good movies out there, whatever. Bad News Bears, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I say, like the only reason nobody knows about how great this movie is because nobody's ever seen it. Yeah. It's just almost unknown. And so it was filmed in Detroit. It, you know, MLB is you know it was uh, the you know the the, the um, Fisher Body Company uh, um, sponsored the movie. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's when we say movie, you know, this is a thir- this is a 32 minute version. Of sure. it. There's a longer cut of 50 minutes that I wasn't able to find. Um, but, uh, it's, yeah, I can't, I mean, I would love to screen this movie. I would love, and I can't wait to talk about it in more depth. It's a tremendous film. There's things that people could learn today in broadcasting and filming just from watching this movie. It's a tremendous film. I'm excited. There's so much more to talk about. So lions and this and that we can tee up, right? There's so many things. We'll we'll get to them, man. man. Detroit, uh, city of champions, the website. And the website. Oh, uh, DetroitCityOfChampions.com. I thought you were going to fill. All you got to do is add .com. To the I know. I, was <laughs> I throwing, thought you were like, I was Detroit throwing, City of Champions, you kind of left me hanging. Like, I threw a cog. Uh, dot .com. Dot <laughs> like, com, idiot that up boy. It. I teed it up when I, nah, when I, I whipped just, on it. Yeah. So the website, yeah, DetroitCityOfChampions.com. <laughs> <laughs> threw that in there real quick. Uh, Charles, I'm having a blast. Bro. Yeah, man. This I is, love this. I, I look forward to it every week. And uh, uh, there's, like I say, there's... Man, but there's come. so many episodes lined up. Like I, 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 I'm just, I'm actually really, I'm grateful to you and Matt back here. Is, yeah, oh my God, yeah, you know, and I always ignore Matt's Matthew. Ma- yeah, Matthew's yeah, pushing all our yeah, buttons. Yeah, Matt's making the magic back there. But um, yeah, he's doing it. So, but I, it's like uh, I'm just uh, real okay. because you know I've told the story. I estimate I've told the story. You know, at art shows and in speeches and stuff like this, I've told it over eighty thousand, at least over eighty thousand mm-hmm. times. I've done the math over eighty thousand. You figured have it right by now. Well, yeah, you'd think. There's a couple, <laughs> saying, there's a couple elements I flub every once in a while. But that you actually brought up a good point, which is that usually when I'm talking about this story, it's an intro. Right. It's a quick intro. It's a five-minute conversation. It's you know quick selling a book, I, moving yeah. on. This is the first time I've really got a chance to explore the different elements right, of right. it. When I say um, we're diving deep. I'm really deep, excited about it. You know? And, and we, we are diving, but the books go so much deeper still. Oh, and man. we're still I'm just scratching it. I'm reading my own books to put my nose together. We're just, you know? we're like, just, we're still just crazy. scratching it. 
So keep coming back and scratching more stuff with us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was weird, but no, uh, we're, yeah, we'll get into it. So man. like, yeah. subscribe, leave a comment. We appreciate you spending time with us and listening about this story. It's the Detroit City of Champions podcast. <laughs>